0: If somebody has done me wrong, then why in the world does God call me to forgive? Why should I forgive? And then that leads us to another question, which is a question we're going to be focusing on today, and I think it's probably a question that most of us have dealt with at one time or another in our lives, and that is this: What is it that God wants me to do? You know, what what is God's will? What is God's purpose for my life? I mean, you can you can go to the bookstore you're going to see all different kinds of books out there that, that try to explain the answer to that question. You know, Rick Warren had a very popular book called The Purpose Driven Life. And so there's just a lot of a lot of questions people have. What is it exactly that God wants out of my life? What does he want me to do? And, and as I'm honest with myself, I, I do have a desire to know God's will for my life. But most of the time when I'm asking that question, I sort of have an ulterior motive in that question. And it's not really that I'm seeking God's will for my life, but what I'm looking for is I want God to follow the will that I have for my life. It's like, God, I want you to, I want to know what your will is, but while you're at it, just go ahead and affirm everything that I want to do. And it reminds me of a story about a, a sailor who every time he would go out in his boat, he'd get lost. And it drove his friends crazy because they always had to go out and try to find him. And so for his birthday, they got him a compass. They said, you'll never get lost again. Just follow the compass. Everything will be right for you. And so he he took it out, had the compass with him, went out in his boat, and uh, he ended up getting lost again. And his friends were frustrated. They went out. They're trying to find him. They, They finally found him. They said, didn't you use the compass we gave you? And he said, yeah, I did. He said, but, you know, I wanted to go north, but it kept saying southeast, so I just threw it away. And, and I think there are a lot of us we do the same thing with God. You know, God has a direction he's pointing us in, but we don't want to go in that direction, so we try to force God to move in the way that we want to go. And so what happens is we are struggling to find out God's plan and desire and purpose for our lives. And so the question is what is what does God want? You know, what what does God want for you? What what does he want for me? What is God's plan or what is his desire? for this church. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to examine some words of Jesus himself, and it's it's in these words that Jesus shares that he very simply and he very clearly lays out for us what he desires out of the lives of people who follow him. And this is just the, sort of the basic, the basic line and desire that God has for every person here today. So what is it? Well, that's why we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And uh, the passage of Scripture that we're going to read, it is known as the Great Commission. Very simply put, this is the mission that Jesus laid out for his church. Uh, The the mission that he laid out for his followers. And, And you're going to find out it's what Jesus says here. What he wants from you, it is not hard to figure out. It's not anything that he's trying to hide from people. Then I, And I hope that you'll find it comforting. Whenever we go through this, you're like, oh, the, so that's what, that's what Jesus wants for me. And so it's just very simple and laid out for us. But the big question for us is, and it always comes down to this, is will you be willing to do it? Will you be willing to follow after the will, the plan that God desires out of every believer? You I say, well, I want to hear what it is first. All right, well, let's take a look and see what the Bible does say. What is it that God wants from us? And here's the very first thing that I see. God wants you to be confident. A part of God's will and God's part of God's desire for your life is he desires for you to live with confidence. And I, I love verse number 18. If you look there, it says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, that's a really big deal that he starts off this passage of Scripture with that. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, I think that's important that he says this because I believe that there are two basic things that people sort of struggle with when it comes to living with confidence. One is we struggle in living with confidence because I really believe this. I believe most people have a pretty high level of fear in life. You know, we're afraid to fail we're afraid that things aren't going to work out. We're afraid of what might happen tomorrow. You know, I'm right there with you. you know, I'm the biggest chicken there is. And so I live, I I struggle a lot of times with fear. And so it's hard for me to have confidence. And then it's hard for me, another thing to do, is to be willing to go out on a limb, to take risk. You know, I'm, I'm like probably like most people. If somebody tells me to to do something, to take a risk. Okay, I'll do it if I know it will work. You know, every time. I hear people who say that they've gone skydiving before. Okay, that's crazy. There's no way I would ever do it. Because I'm going, and they're like, you know, only, you know, it's like, there's only like point something percent failure rate. Okay, that's not good enough for me. It's got to be 100% that I'm going to be okay. Because if not... I'm going to be the one guy that jumps and my chute is not going to open. So I live, in, you know, I'd live in, I live in fear a lot, which is not not good. And so I, I believe God knows all these things. God knows that our propensity is to struggle with failure, to struggle in living with confidence, and that's why these words Jesus said are tremendously important. Again, look at verse 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's Jesus. He said, all authority belongs to me. That word authority, it means he has the liberty to do what he pleases. Now I think that's pretty cool. I mean, Jesus says, I have the power to do whatever I want. Now, here's what makes this statement even more incredible: the context. When Jesus said this, this happened after the resurrection. I mean, after I'm not after the resurrection, after the cross. So Jesus is standing before people after the world has thrown the biggest haymaker it knows to throw at God, which is death, and Jesus says, hey, I beat it. I have all authority. Now, if you're in the crowd, you'd be looking at Jesus saying, yeah, that's a true statement. I mean, this guy, I mean, even death couldn't hold Jesus down. So then how does that translate for us? Why is it significant for us? Because it means this. It means that when Jesus calls for his followers to do something, we can do it without being fearful. Why? Well, because of verse number 18. He has all authority. In a modern southern English, it means we will never be outgunned when we stand with God. Because he has all authority authority. He wins every time. Second Chronicles uh, 2017 spoke the same truth to the Hebrew people when God told his people, you did not have to fight this battle. He says, position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them for Yahweh is with you. And then he gives us the same kind of message in the New Testament. In Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, how awesome is that? Now, if that's really true, then what does that mean? It means that you and I can live with confidence knowing that with the power of Jesus, we can live in victory. So when the odds are stacked against you, whenever you are facing things that are frightening, that you don't know the outcome of right now. There's one thing that you, you can know the outcome of with Jesus, and that is that all authority belongs to Him, and that can give you confidence no matter what you face. I, I was reading the story this past week about the guy who wrote the um, Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, his, his Bishop Philip Brooks, said whenever he was on his deathbed that he did not allow any of his friends to come and see him. He only allowed one guy to come see him, and it was a man named Robert Ingersoll. Robert Ingersoll was a well-known um, atheist. He was anti-Christian, but he was a friend of this man who wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem. And so uh, he, Brooks said he could come and see him. And so Ingersoll came in and said, why would you see me? He said, I think it's kind of strange that you didn't see any of your friends. I mean, I'm honored, but why are you seeing me? And Brooks looked at him, and he said, because I know when I die, I am confident that I'm going to see them again in heaven, but I'm not going to see you. And he said, I want to tell you about Jesus. Now, that is somebody who had confidence. Now, why did he have confidence? Because he believed it whenever Jesus said all authority belonged to him. Now, let me ask you a question Do you have that kind of confidence? Now, it's easy to say right now, I am confident. When we sing these songs, y'all, the last song we sing today, by the way, just as as y'all get ready, is what we sang last week. I mean, I love that song. And so I sing that song, and I'm like, I, there is nothing that can beat me. You know, whenever we're singing the song, we're worshiping God. I just get real excited about singing it. So it's easy to sing these songs of praise when everything's okay and going well. But when the rubber hits the road, here's the question. Do you have confidence in Jesus? Do you have confidence that even when things are drifting out of your control, that God has all authority. Are you willing to be obedient to Jesus even whenever maybe you don't agree with what Jesus has to say? Whenever you might look at scripture and say that the that society in which we live doesn't even agree with what this book says. Will I be willing to be obedient even then because I'm confident that he has all authority? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I mean, a sign that you, that you love Jesus is that you will be obedient to him, and it, and it can give you confidence to know that when, when you know that his commands, that they were always good, that they were always right, is to live by them. Now, the disciples at this time, they needed they needed confidence. I mean, think about what they'd just been through in recent weeks when we're at this text right here. They'd seen Jesus die. And it just devastated them. Then they see Jesus raised from the grave, be resurrected. They get excited, and then Jesus comes here, and he tells them, now I'm getting ready to leave. And so they're disappointed again. And so Jesus, might, hey, listen, even though I'm leaving doesn't mean that I'm not going to leave you power. You can still be confident. And, and Jesus isn't with us physically right now, but he still gives us his power. And so that's why Jesus, one, one thing you can know for, for certain is a part of his will for your life is he wants from you to be confident. But here's something else that he wants from you he wants you to make disciples. So say, what is God's will for my life? We struggle with that. Something real simple here. You can know this for certain. This is what Jesus wants from you as a follower. He wants you to make disciples. Now look with me in verse number 19. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Now, now you can know, for starters, that a part of God's will for your life is He wants you to be confident. That's I really believe this. I believe one of the biggest commands that we see in all of Scripture is the command, "Do not be afraid." I I love that. Every time I see it, it just it, get, it heartens me, because God tells us over and over again, "Do not be afraid." You know how many times in Scripture God tells us not to be afraid? I think this is really neat. Three hundred and sixty-five times. One day, one, one time, for every day of the year, Scripture tells us, "Do not be afraid. So we can know with confidence that that's God's desire for us. But then verse number 19 points out another desire that He has for us, and that's to make disciples. Now it's easy for us to go in confidence and make disciples when we know that, that God is going to help it happen. Now now when are we supposed to do this? When are we to make disciples? Jesus says, go. Now, that translated is also translated this way. As you are going. When are we to make disciples? As we are going. Not just Sundays. Yeah, we're not supposed to be just good Christian people on Sunday mornings when we come into this room. It's as we are going. That, that means that there's also, there's six other days. That, that's a part of our lives. You know, as we are at work. As we are with our friends, as we are with our families, as we are as we are on vacation, as we go, we are to be making disciples. Now that that you say, well, I understand that, but the word dis- I don't know about y'all, but when I hear you are to make disciples, that sounds kind of scary. You know, that I'm supposed to make Christian scholars. Oh, you know, I mean, I don't even I don't I don't even qualify as a scholar. You know, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does disciple mean? Well, it means this. One who has been instructed in how to live according to Scripture. A disciple, very simply, is one who follows Jesus. And so your job and my job, a part of God's will for our lives, is to help instruct people in Scripture so they will know how to live for Jesus. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Not too bad. Well, I think I can do that. Now, and, and, I, and, of course, and then I think, well, I can make people do that. Now, I can't make anybody do anything. Now, I like to think I can, but I, I can't make anybody do anything. I, I am just simply to make the presentation of what God's Word says to share with people how Jesus ma- has made a difference in my life, and then they get to make up their own mind about how they're going to follow Jesus, if they're going to do it or not. It's up to them. Uh, one verse that really always gets my attention is the preceding verses before this scripture we're reading here it's verse 17 it says when they saw him jesus it says they worshiped but some doubted now that that verse blows my mind because remember jesus has been dead and now he comes to life and he's standing physically before a group of people and it says some worshiped him and then there's some who doubted isn't that crazy They see a guy who's gotten out of the grave, and they're going, I really don't think that's him. Yes, some doubt it. Now, our job, we can't make people follow Jesus, but we can share, and there will be some who will respond, and there will be others who won't. But here's the problem I see. The problem I see is not that there are some who will follow and some who, who won't. The problem I see is that many people who are followers of Jesus, we are never telling anybody about Jesus. And they were like, why aren't more people following Jesus? Well, how many people are you telling them about Jesus? Well, not any. They tell you that. you know, I'm not smart, but I know this. If I don't put any effort into something, you know what I can expect to get every time? Nothing. I don't know why my wife's not talking to me. I mean, well, do you ever talk to her? Yeah, I yell at her every day. Well, you know, there's that's a probably a hint. Okay, so whenever it comes to disciple making, we never tell people about Jesus. We never invite anybody into the church. We never pray for people that we know that don't know Jesus to become followers of Jesus. And then we wonder, why is no one following Jesus? Well, if you don't put anything into it, you're going to get nothing out of it every single time. So what, what are we called to do? Jesus says, you go and you make disciples. How do I do that? Well, Jesus keeps on talking here. There's a couple things he says. He says you were called to baptize and then you were called to teach. Now, we'll, I'm going to break these down. Uh, first of all, we're to teach. If we're going to disciple people, we teach. Well, what are we supposed to teach them? Well Remember, disciple means to instruct people in Scripture so they'll know how to live for Jesus. We teach them this. That's why on Sundays, whenever, whenever I, whoever's up here speaking, that we're going to read out of the Bible. Because we want to know what God has to say. Uh, That's why we have in our V group ministry, our small group ministries, when our small groups get together, what they do, they look in this book and then they find out what God's word has to say. How does it apply to our lives? Now, why are we doing those things? Because we want people to be aware of what God says. We want people to learn. Now, if people don't know what God says, then we can't expect them to live how God calls us to live. it's It's like reading directions. I, now I don't know if many of y'all are good. I, actually, I know some of you are good at reading directions. Y'all do a really good job. I'm, a, I'm one of those people. It's awful. I, you know, you get, I remember a number of years ago, I bought Emily a bicycle. And, you know, and I've been riding bikes for a long time. So, I mean, I kind of have the, you know, the basic gist of a bike. You know, it's got a frame. It's got, you know, pedals and a chain. And you just stick them together and you've got a bike. Okay, so it came unassembled because I wanted to save like 30 bucks. You can, I'll assemble this myself because I'm such a handyman. And so I got I the bike, pull out the box, and it's got these instructions. And they're written in print, you know, like that big. And it is a book. And so I just see words, and I'm like, oh, you know, my mind just goes to, it just like melts in my head. I'm like, could you all have like pictures or something? And so I see all these words, and I was like, yeah, I've ridden a bike for a long time. And I just laid the inst- uh, instructions to the side. And I start putting the bike together, and as I'm saying, I put the bike together, and I get done with it. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool, because y'all, I'm seriously, I have no talent whatsoever, and I get, the thing look, it looks like a bike, and, I, and so so that's good. The only problem is, I've got like 65 bolts and screws left over, and I'm like, why would they make so many extra parts, you know? And but then, I, but I knew something went right. And I was like, okay, obviously, I didn't read the instructions. I put this bike together. And in my mind, if it was for me, I would have just been like, that's fine. I'll just ride the bike because it's me. But my wife's going to be riding the bike. And I could just see her getting on it and then just riding and just like collapsing, you know, falling down. And then like the, I don't know, like the handlebar goes through her neck and she dies. And I'm like, what idiot put that bike together? Yeah, I did. And so I didn't want that to happen. And so I went back. I, I I undid the bike and pulled out the instructions and did, I did what the instructions said, and I had no pieces left over, and the bike, for the most part, worked. Now, okay, so that why do we teach, why are we to teach this book? So that we don't fall apart. So that we don't ride in life all by ourselves under our own instruction, and then just absolutely collapse. You see, God has given us his word to guide and direct us. That's why we have small groups and that's why we teach. We want people to know what God says so we can know how to live. So that's the first part, making disciples. Then Jesus says we've also have been called to baptize. Now, what is baptism? Now, for those of you who've grown up in the Baptist church or you've been here, you've seen we have a baptistry up here, and that we have people that sit down up here in the water, and we call it dunking. You know, that's another word. So when we baptize, you know, we go all the way under and then come back up out of the water. Why in the world do we do that? He said, so what's the deal? Now, here's the thing. Baptism does not make a person a Christian. That's not it. Baptism, and I always explain it like this when we have our discovery class. We talk about the church. I, I say baptism is very much like, like a wedding ring. It's like marriage. Now, when I, whenever you get married, those of you who are married, most of you, I'm guessing, are wearing a wedding ring right now. Now, here's the question. Is it important for you to wear a wedding ring? Okay, yes. So one lady said yes, and all the, other ladies, all the other ladies are glaring at their husbands. You should have said something. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's important. Now, why is it important? Does it make you married? The wedding ring does not make you married. But it gives a sign that you are married. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, if I take off the wedding ring, if I take this off right now, am I, am I married or not? Am I married? I always tell people no. Um, yes, I am. I am still married, it, it, whether I have it on or not. I'm still married. You know, Ben Skill, I like country music, his pocket full of gold. Don't do that. So, anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm still married whether I'm wearing a wedding ring or not. Okay, baptism is the same thing. I can be a follower of Jesus and not be baptized. But whenever I am baptized, here's, here's where I think the, the importance of it is. Other than Jesus commands it, here's the other part that's important. It is a visual testimony saying, I belong to Jesus. Doesn't make me a Christian, but it gives a visual testimony. Now, if I get married and I'm wearing a wedding ring, and yet I continue to date other people, is that good? Absolutely not. Now, in in a similar manner, you might say, well, I've been baptized, so everything's good. Well, if you've been baptized and yet you are unfaithful in your living to how God teaches us that we're supposed to live, let, let me tell you something, that is that is not good either. Now, I, I will say this, I believe there are a lot of people who say they're followers of Jesus, but they are not living according to God's word because they don't know God's word. They don't know what it says. And so that's why we find it important to make disciples, to teach people what God's word says. Y'all, being a Christian is not just simply about having fire insurance. It's understanding that God has called us to be His representatives, that the world may know Him. We are told this in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. So what is God's will? What does God want from us? A couple of basic things. He wants us to be confident. He wants us to make disciples. This is the last thing I want you to see. He wants you to be assured by his presence. And this is the glue that holds everything together. It's verse number 20. In verse number 20, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, now God wants us to be confident. He wants us to make disciples. But it is much easier to do when you recognize that you have help. Jesus said, "I'm I'm not abandoning you. He said, I will be with you to see through the work that I've called you to. Now, what's interesting is that the disciples, before this, after Jesus had, remember, Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, he was resurrected, he kind of disappears for a while, he's not around, Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, who I love, he's just a great guy, you know, just sort of, you know, he's a guy who tries stuff, he fails, when he fails, I mean, he fails big, you know, when he succeeds, he succeeds big. Here's where he fells big. He's like, Jesus isn't with us anymore. He's heading out. I'm going back to my old job. You know, he's just disheartened. So he goes back to northern Israel, to the Sea of Galilee. He says, I'm going to start fishing again because if Jesus isn't here, it's, it's over. So this is why Jesus says, verse number 20, Peter, just because I'm, because I'm going back to be with the Father doesn't mean I'm abandoning you. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. That's what he told us in John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is Jesus said, it's for your benefit that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, who's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, what is what is that all about? When you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, to dwell within you. To be with you. To remind you of Scripture. To convict you of sin. You know, if Jesus was still here physically, He can't be with us all at one time. He's physical. It means that He he could be here, but He can't be there. Holy Spirit is everywhere where His believers are. And He fills us. The Bible says that Jesus has filled us with the Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit, and He is always with us. That means on, on good days, the Spirit of God is with you. On bad days, the Spirit of God is with you. When you are healthy, the Spirit of God is with you. When your body is racked by sickness, the Spirit of God is with you. And He says He will never leave. You. We are told in Romans 8 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Very simply put, Jesus is saying, I'm with you always. In other words, he's, I've always got your back. You can live with confidence because I always have your back. When you're scared and nervous, Jesus is saying, I will always be with You can relax and rest in me. Now, why should that give me confidence? Then you have to go back to verse number 18. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Why why can I have confidence? Because Jesus has all authority. And that means you and I, as we follow Jesus, we cannot lose. He's our hope. Try to give you an example when I was um uh, Emily and I were in israel with with some people in church this past Christmas and the days after, and when we were over there there was a a big football game that happened the outback bowl, probably the biggest game there was this year and it was Carolina was playing Michigan in the outback bowl and so we're in israel we're seven hours ahead, and so the game, you know it's it's late for us you know when the game starting get going starting and getting going and and uh, my, my my sons Hank and Glenn, I, I, I can't, well, I couldn't watch ESPN in Israel, uh, which is crazy, but you can't watch it, so I don't, I didn't know what was going on. So Hank and Glenn were texting me the score during the game. It was awful, first half, right? For Carolina fans, first half is terrible. So last score I got nineteen to three, Michigan's ahead, and I'm like, I'm why am I a Carolina fan? You know, so I'm just sitting there, you know, in angst over all of that, and I'm like, it's time. I'm tired. I fall asleep. Okay, so then something incredible happens. I wake up, and Carolina has won the football game. Now, I didn't see the game, but I was like, what in the world happened? Jesus miraculously showed up, and Carolina won the game. So when we come back home, I come back home, and I'm with Glenn. Glenn's telling me about the game. and, And he says, have you seen the game? I was like, I haven't watched it. And so we pulled it up on YouTube, and so we sat there and we watched the game when I got back home. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game. Watch the first half is miserable, right? Golly, it's terrible. You watch the turnovers, the busted plays, the penalties. But you know what was amazing? It's 19 to 3. I wasn't even worried. Sat there and watching the game and eating popcorn. It's like, you know why I wasn't worried? I knew we win, I knew the game was over. It's like, hey, I know, I knew something, the guys that were even playing the game, I know it was on tape delay, but I knew something they didn't know. We win. Let me tell you something. That is the power of knowing that Jesus is with us to the end. That means in this life we can live, in this life, we can live through all the turnovers, through all the penalties through all the disappointments that we face in this life, say, you know what? But I know in the end that we win. Isn't that cool? So that being said, are you ready to live with confidence? Now, do do you get tired? of going back and forth with every single play in the game of life where you were up and you were down, wouldn't it be nice to step back and say, I know there's ups and downs, but I'm going to hang on to this. In the end, Jesus wins. What what does God want for you? He wants you to live with confidence. What, What does God want for us? He wants us to make disciples. And he wants us to be assured of his presence. He is always with his people. What is, what's God's will for your life? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That is his basic will for your life. Will you trust him? Heavenly Father, I am I am grateful for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that. That as we are as we are living in this you know, in this time right now, God, as we have finite bodies, God, it is so it is so easy to be overwhelmed by fear, God, to be overwhelmed by by not knowing, not knowing what what tomorrow holds. God, it's so easy just simply to be scared. But God, I thank you that you have given us. You've given us promises. And Jesus, I pray that that we will learn to trust in the promises that you give. When you say, I will be with you. God may may we open up our hearts to that and grab onto you to be the anchor for our soul, saying, No matter what is coming, hell or high water, Jesus is here. He is my anchor. And all authority belongs to him. God, may we leave today knowing that all of our hope is in you. And I pray these things in Christ's name.